Two years ago, August Urbish met up with a friend at a bar. She told him, "I can't tell you why, but you should tell your roommates that you're moving out at the end of the year." She、uh, confidentially told me that I should be a part of、uh, this new thing that WeWork is doing, like a new living situation. WeWork. You probably recognize that name if you're in the tech industry. It's one of the most highly valued startups in the world, and it leases office space by the desk to startups and bigger companies that need a place to work. It's a phenomenon that's become known as co-working. WeWork at the time was quietly recruiting guys like August to try out their newest thing—a co-living space, kind of like a dorm for adults. It's called WeLive. She assured me that I was going to love it. August was 32 at the time, working at an art gallery in Chelsea, living in this apartment in a really up-and-coming neighborhood of Brooklyn called Crown Heights. He was finally feeling like he knew the neighborhood, and he loved his big apartment and its backyard. He had a good thing going, which makes his next decision perplexing. So, sight unseen, I、uh, signed up for it. I moved in March of、uh, 2016. And it was supposed to be a sort of a shorter-term thing. I think it was supposed to be about six months. And、um, at the time, I don't think anybody knew what was going on inside or outside of the building. Like all I knew when I was moving in here was, here's your room. If you have visitors, they have to sign NDAs. They can't talk about it. They can't take pictures. Like it was very, very hush-hush. I couldn't talk about it outside of this thing because I think they were still trying to figure out what they had here. This secretive project was supposed to be a major part of WeWork's future, according to leaked documents from 2014. WeWork executives had told investors that there would be 34 WeLive locations by the end of 2017, which would bring in $270 million in annual revenue. But in reality, growth has come much more slowly. WeLive still only has two buildings: the one that August lives in in Manhattan, and another one in Washington D.C. Hi, I'm Aki Ito, and I'm Ellen Hewitt. And this week on Decrypted, we're taking you deep into the strange world of corporate co-living. WeWork has raised billions of dollars on this dream of making everything part of what they call the "quote-unquote" We lifestyle. One of their corporate slogans is even "Better Together." And that vision has been an enormous success when it comes to at least building a community for work. This is a company that's now valued at twenty billion dollars. But WeWork's gamble to extend its success to the home life is proving much harder. So I recently spent five nights at a WeLive apartment in New York to try to figure out why and what this setback means for one of Silicon Valley's biggest hotshots. Stay with us. WeWork was founded in 2010 by a CEO who used to live in an Israeli kibbutz, and like we said, it's valued at 20 billion dollars. That makes it among the world's 10 most valuable startups. And this is, by the way, the same company that just made news for buying the Lord and Taylor Building in New York City. Yeah, which was a massive 850 million dollar deal. You know, it's really amazing that a seven-year-old startup actually has this kind of cash. All for providing office space, and WeLive is WeWork's next big bet. WeWork didn't officially announce WeLive until April 2016, six months after August first got that mysterious pitch from his friend. 
WeWork just launched We Live, taking its concept from the office to the living room. And dorm living for grown-ups, and you said that's working. It's working very well. We're not and I've been really curious about it. It's the side part of the business that got a lot of press when it first opened. But as far as I know, no reporter has even spent a night there. And so we sent you in. <laughs> well... WeLive doesn't advertise this, but for the past year, it has quietly been letting the public book some of the 200 units at WeLive New York like a hotel, night by night for hotel prices. So that was my opportunity. In my case, it was about $230 a night before tax for a Studio Plus room. I booked five nights and I packed my bags. You know, Ellen, being a reporter, you're not exactly WeWork's dream customer. No. But in most other ways, I am. I'm 27. I'm a full-fledged millennial. And (laughs) most of all, I already do co-living. I live in a big Victorian in San Francisco with nine roommates. (laughs) If anyone was going to like WeLive, it was going to be someone like me. Okay, so take us there. It's your first day at We Live. What was it like? We have a huge communal kitchen. Would you like some water? The New York We Live is this huge former office building on Wall Street. The building was wrecked by Hurricane Sandy, so WeWork came in and said they wanted to lease it. The first six floors are office and retail space, but they remodeled floors 7 through 27 into all these parts of We Live. Apartments ranging from studios to four bedrooms, plus a laundry room, an exercise studio, this huge kitchen, and these smaller kitchens and lounges. Hey guys, who's winning? Nobody's winning. So I stepped into the lobby, checked in at the front desk, and was given a key card to my room on the 15th floor. The whole point of We Live is that the apartments aren't just furnished, they're kind of pre-decorated. The room had a bed, a TV, a couch, a coffee table, and pots and pans and dishes in the little kitchenette. But it also had two patterned accent pillows on the couch, a shower curtain with this bold graphic design, and a framed illustrated cactus print on the wall. They even gave me a blue ceramic cup in the bathroom to brush my teeth with. Sounds very chic. Yeah, those were some nice touches. But there were some other details that struck me as kind of odd. Okay. The building is divided into neighborhoods, which are these sets of three floors that are connected by internal staircases rather than the main elevators. Some of the neighborhoods were alcohol-themed. Okay. My floor and the two below it were tequila-themed, for example. Every time I stepped out of my door and walked toward the elevators, I saw this framed poster that said, tequila is my spirit animal. (laughs) So this sounds like a frat house. This was my favorite part. On the 11th floor, as soon as you step out of the elevators, you see this painted on the wall in huge letters. New York celebrates together. 14-year dry era ends today, December 5th, 1933. Which, if you couldn't guess, is the day that prohibition was repealed. You get the idea. Okay, all right. So you arrive at We Live, you see the hipster decorations, you see the tequila posters. What's next? Well, I saw that there's a happy hour at the bar on the 10th floor every Monday through Thursday. It was a Thursday, so I decided to go check it out. Maybe 15 people were there, and WeWork had provided pictures of margaritas and herbed french fries and chicken nuggets. And that's actually where I met August, who we introduced at the start of the show. He was behind the bar, flipping cocktail shakers and serving drinks, and saying hi to everyone who came by. 
I actually thought he worked for WeWork. I know, I know. August is one of the residents who's lived there the longest and by now is kind of like the mayor of the New York we live. He's the guy that new residents are told to ask if they have any questions about living there. Part of that is because he's what they call an ambassador, one of 15 or so people living in We Live who get a rent discount in exchange for hosting events and generally being friendly. Like a, an RA in college. Yeah. But aside from the discount he gets, I got the sense he was doing it because he genuinely loves it there. When he moved in in March of 2016, he was originally planning on living there for only six months, but he ended up staying. It's, it's, it's much easier for me to... For, for someone who is a little socially awkward like myself to to meet a new person here and like it was you know it was kind of like the first real sense of of like an overall community that I had in you know eight, at that time eight and a half years or so living in New York so it was nice and that community changed his professional life too about 6 months ago he was in the 8th floor laundry room talking to a guy called Raviv who also lives there and is an entrepreneur himself. I'm like, man, I've been really thinking about like doing this project. And he stopped me in the middle of what I, of explaining the project. He's like, no, do it. Why don't you do it? I'm like, well, because I've never done it before. He's like, you think I've ever done this before? Just do it. This building is filled with people that do things that they've never done before and they're great successes. And he went on to actually do it. He quit his job working at a gallery and went on to create an app called Laugh Track that lets people share and read jokes, like the funniest parts of Twitter without Donald Trump's tweets. Two of the people he recruited to help him with his app are people he met at WeLive. The, the two people that I'm working with the most live in the building. I met them here. Like the guy that's coding the app lives six doors down from me. We're basically like making a baby now. It's great. Okay, so clearly a very positive experience for August. Who else did you meet? Well, that guy, Raviv, who inspired August to become an entrepreneur. He's a 32-year-old Israeli guy, throws parties in the two hot tubs on the seventh floor terrace, splits a $5,000 one-bedroom apartment with two other guys. He just started hosting these salsa dancing classes where We Live provides margaritas and tacos. You know, I just go there, I bring my music, and I just uh, teach, teach people the ropes, like how to dance salsa, how to move it. But, you know, not everyone was a partier. I also met a guy called Andrew Cutter. So there are events going on and you're always invited to them, which is great for an introvert because you don't want to feel left out, but you're not actually going to go to anything. I met a 54-year-old filmmaker who says he likes how he doesn't need to own stuff to live there. At an exercise class I went to that weekend, there were some girls from Norway who were there for six months on a gap year between high school and college. I even spotted a couple kids in the hallway. Okay, so over the course of your five days that we live, Ellen, you met a lot of people. I did. And it sounds like they genuinely really liked it there. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. There is some strong self-selection that goes on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an introvert, so this does sound like my worst nightmare. So for most of the people I talked to, especially those who had lived there and stayed there for a long time, they had really good experiences. 
but of course, this isn't a nonprofit, right? This has to work as a business where we work. Just a few years ago, We Live was the thing that the company was betting on for growth. Yeah, we know this because a couple years ago, BuzzFeed published leaked materials WeWork used to pitch investors in October 2014. Back then, WeWork predicted that by the end of 2017, there would be 34 We Live locations, which were going to account for $270 million in revenue. Of course, it's getting pretty close to the end of 2017 today, and there are still only two locations, not 34. And there's a third building in Seattle that they're working on, which is going to be finished in 2020. So I asked the head of WeLive about this. His name is Jim Woods. We as a company have the opportunity here to really figure this out in a thoughtful way and scale this meaningfully. And I think that, well, the approach that I've taken with their support is to really be thoughtful in the deals that we pursue, the markets we pursue, and the way we are designing this product. And what that means is we've, we're really taking a lot of time to think about the moves we're making and how we uh, expand this to markets domestically and abroad. Okay, so that's interesting. Not exactly the move fast, break things kind of thing that you hear from our internet companies. He said thoughtful and meaningful a few more times throughout our conversation, but I didn't really get a clear answer. So I wonder if one obvious potential reason for this slow growth could be that maybe there isn't as much of a market for this. The tequila signs make it sound like it's for kids straight out of school, but when a studio is more than $3,000 a month, most recent college grads probably can't afford it. So it's not totally clear who this is for. That's why I was really intrigued when I found out you can rent these rooms like a hotel. We Live can charge way more for a hotel room night by night than it can for a month or longer resident. Even with hotel tax, that's a way better profit margin. So that's got to be pretty tempting. And I think a place like We Live could be more appealing than a standard hotel to certain kinds of people. I spoke to Trisha Eastman, a traveler from L.A. who was staying at We Live for a few days. I wanted to be, you know, kind of along with people that I felt were similar. And, and so when I got there, um, I just felt like every person, like including the front desk, they were like super cool, just like people that I would like go have a drink with. And so, you know, it's not always the case when you stay at a hotel. Okay, so that sounds a little bit like the appeal of Airbnb. It is. Although some of the residents there seem to think that having more travelers would hurt its sense of community. Oh, so a fair point. And Jim, the WeLive executive, told me they're also looking into a different kind of business, corporate housing. Big companies that use WeWork for office space are already using WeLive to house some of their employees. And he said they expect that to be a, quote, meaningful part of their business. So here's a question to someone like you living in your nine-person house, Ellen, who's doing that co-living thing on your own. Do you think the community you get at We Live is worth its pricey rent? And is it that different from living in another apartment building with some of the nicer amenities? You know, based on what I saw when I was there, I'd say, yeah, We Live seems way more friendly than I think other New York apartment buildings would be. But critics of WeWork say that its $20 billion valuation is way higher than it should be for what is essentially a real estate company. And they might have a point. 
Hot tub parties and happy hours only take you so far. And of course, there's the difficulty of actually dealing with these huge, expensive physical assets, right? It's really different from just coding an app. Right. When I talked to real estate experts, they all said it's really hard to find the right kind of existing building, especially when you're looking to mold it into this very specific thing. It's a lot easier to build a new one, like WeWork is doing in Seattle, but that takes a long time to pay off. Yeah, I guess we'll see how long it takes for WeWork to actually build out this residential part of its business. But it does seem like for now, it's not going to be the kind of serious money maker that it thought it would be. Right, and in the meantime, WeWork's already identified the next big thing. It's hoping big companies like Amazon and IBM will pay to have WeWork run their buildings, kind of like office design consulting. Okay, so after spending five nights there yourself, what'd you think? You know, Aki, I'm mixed. I already know that I enjoy living around others. <laughs> Hence your current arrangement. Yeah, and I like coming home to a place that has lots of people around. So I get that part of the appeal. And I talked to plenty of people who really valued its flexibility because you can rent it month to month. I know we've made a lot of dorm jokes and dorm comparisons. <laughs> yes, we learned that tequila is your spirit animal. <laughs> but... Residents kept telling me it's not like that. And I kind of get that, too. It's more private. It's pretty quiet for the most part. Way quieter than the dorms I remember on a Saturday night. Okay, so that's a positive. What was the negative? There was just something really weird about making We Live your home. The little lounges outside the elevators, for example, they had these beautiful leather chairs and furry pillows and sleek design, but I never saw anyone sitting in them. And they were filled with books, but when you picked up the book, it almost always had this red little $1 sale sticker from the Strand bookstore. And sometimes they were totally random, like self-help books about uterine fibrosis. And there was this very subtle, but at least to me, kind of pervasive sense of we work everywhere. The black coffee mugs in my apartment said, live better together, which is a company slogan. And the cleaners in the building all wear black t-shirts that say, do what you love which is another company slogan. Yeah, I think I get that. Like, they were trying to make it homey, but it still feels impersonal, kind of sterile, kind of corporate. Yeah. Take Andrew, for example. He's the guy who talked about being an introvert earlier. He lived at We Live for 14 months, but he told me he never really decorated or made it his own. I was never really clear on how much I could actually, like, put, you know, nails in the wall or whatever anyway. I had a bunch of artwork that I just never put up. You know, uh, they give you comforters, they give you sheets, they give you pillows, they they give you everything you need to live there. It's interesting how little you're probably going to change the place, you know, because everything's already provided. Andrew just moved out of We Live a few weeks ago. He had been paying $2,050 a month, but at his new place in Brooklyn that he's also sharing with three roommates, he's paying 900 he said he'll miss the free coffee in the lobby and the walks he used to take at night by the East River. But he also said his new place already feels a lot more like home, even after only a few weeks. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story about co-living? Send us an email at decrypted at bloomberg.net. Or you can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Ellen Hewitt. And I'm at Aki Ito 7 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, I hope you'll take a minute to leave us a rating and a review. This does so much to get us in front of more listeners. This episode was produced by Liz Smith and Magnus Henriksen. We'll see you next week. 